Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blinding passion, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his fire. Father, thank you. Father, I have so much to thank you for that it would take probably into half an hour of just praising your holy name and thanking you, Jesus, for all the things you've done. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mind-blowing. I feel guilty for not trusting you the way that I should have. Um, But then to watch and look back on how everything unfolded, it makes for so much better of a testimony. If I had just done the Smith Wigglesworth thing and threw my hands up in the air and said, God's got this and not worried about a thing, then really wouldn't have been as much of a testimony. And I I just praise you, Father, for the, the, the periods of guilt and the struggles and the worries and all the other things that came along with it, because along with that, that those intense struggles and worries came uh, a lesson as well as a testimony. And I praise you for that, Father. I thank you, Father, that for the others, the listeners of this program that are going through their various trials and tribulations, changes, movement, uh, you know, separations of family members, getting people out of the same household because they could hinder that, you know, a particular believer's or one of your servants' growth uh, in the days that we are to be called into uh, any time now, uh, probably a lot sooner than we think. And, and Father, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the refiner's fire. We praise you that that, uh, thus far, at least for some of us, you haven't had to chase on us lately, which is awesome. Uh, And uh, yet the refiner's fire is, you know, not fun, but, you know, certainly not as bad as chasing. And um, we just want to thank you, Father. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for understanding with the help of our Lord Jesus, our advocate, that when we're going through really, really hard times, we're probably not going to be very perfect. And what a merciful God you are to 
to know that in advance uh, and to be prepared to welcome us and, and nudge us along and hold our hands and pull us through the difficult times that we're going through when we go through them, knowing in advance that we aren't perfect and we probably are going to slip up a little bit and being there for us as our Abba Father to, um, to steady out our pathway, you know, to, to, to keep us from falling over the guardrail, to uh, keep our hearts and our minds stayed on things above and not on things of this world, to be able to bring us around when we need it. And we just thank you for that, Father. You are an awesome Father. We praise you, Lord Jesus. You are an awesome advocate and an incredible friend. And, uh, and, and we look forward to the days ahead. Uh, we certainly don't look forward to the dark, darkness getting any darker, but we know that it will. Uh, but we uh, definitely do look forward to the opportunity that we believe uh, will uh, be presented to us uh, you know, at some point in this journey uh, where uh, miracles and incredible things are going to happen uh, through the power of Christ through our very hands uh, as, uh, you know, the, the, the ugly increases around us uh, and draws in closer to our individual dwelling places. And we just praise your holy name forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling, our King, our friend, and our Lord Jesus Christ, and present us faultless someday before the presence of our Father in the throne room with exceeding joy. And to you, Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now, forever and ever. Amen. Well, praise God. I got a gazillion, as you might imagine. Um, whenever I take a, I just, yeah, this is just going through too much. 
I was feeling the the surge of emotions that I was dealing with over this last uh, since about Wednesday is when it really started hitting me real hard. Um, is it's very very difficult to put into words. Okay, I, it, it has everything to do with the type of individual that I am, everything to do with the type of person that Jesus has turned me into, everything to do with being ethical beyond to a fault, to a really big fault sometimes, even, even you know, um, even to the point where I'm questioning things that, you know, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this doesn't seem very ethical, Lord, are you sure you want me to do this? And I'm looking for a confirmation and another confirmation and another confirmation. I mean, I'm literally the type of person that will stand in a burning building, and I won't leave that burning building if I think there might be somebody in that burning building, even though that it probably means my death, third degree burns and some horrible things. I'm just like that. I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a do the right thing no matter how much it hurts. And so, you know, this whole thing, the way it went down with my job and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a miracle. Uh, it is. It is a miracle. There was a time um, about 20 years ago. Where And these are the kinds of things that God has done in my life over and over and over again. Some of us have these – some of us have a lot of common in that regard. But about 20 years ago, I was with a company called AIMNET Solutions, whatever, and they covered the east coast of the United States. They had a south regional office. I was there. I handled all of the south region, okay, I traveled all over and took care of all kinds of government agencies and stuff like that. Well, anyway – um, out of clear blue sky, I get a call, which never happened to me before, and um, it was this lady. I think her name was Christine or something like that. And she introduces herself, and she says, she says, you know, I'm with such and such an agency, whatever. And would you be interested in interviewing uh, for this job at this other gigantic Mundus company? It was just absolutely huge, Fortune 100, you know, worldwide. <clears throat> and I said, um, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, because, you know, it really just – wasn't something I was thinking about doing at all. But, you know, it sounded kind of neat, and I was kind of bored doing what I was doing and, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I went and took their little tests on the you know, CBTs and stuff like that and forms and all this kind of stuff and met with different people, yada, yada, blah, blah. And I really didn't care so much whether or not I got the gig or not. I was just kind of going through the motions, and they were like, they surprised me, and they're like, you're hired. You know, you, we need to bring in a sharp shooter from the field while we've been hacked, and, uh, you know, you're it. Hear it? We uh, so I, I was like, oh wow! So I went and gave my notice and took the job. Blah blah blah. Two weeks later, they shut down the uh, South Regional Office, which was the office that I was assigned to. I would have been out of a job and not have seen it coming at all. So God really just reached in, caused it all to happen. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Bam! And now I'm off and running on this other you know, this with, with this other company. So, and I had friends that were still working at the, uh, the you know, they sold what was left of, of the company to a company called Cog Cognizant. And that's a death sentence. Okay. You don't want to work for a company that's owned by folks in India. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, your life will vanish. There is absolutely no such thing as work-life balance. They're not shy about it. And oh boy, here come the 90 hour work weeks. So anyway, um, I had friends, you know, emailing me, oh, please get me out of here. I haven't seen my wife in four weeks. And, you know, that kind of thing. I felt sorry for him. I tried to see if there were jobs available and stuff, but, you know, there's only so much you can do. But anyway, um, and, and they, they all came out okay eventually. But I can imagine that, that heck on earth that they had to go through, you know, while they were stuck there. But, and of course, I'm sucking down the water like, 
an elephant in Tasmania, or no, no, not Namibia. How about that? Or Nigeria? How about that? Anyway, um, so, uh, so, okay, so that happened to me once before. Well, so, you know, imagine how much different it is when, you know, now it's, you know, 12 years. Now, now you're with an organization for 12 years. You've got roots that go back so far. It's unbelievable. Anyway, without getting into all that and going over it all again, uh, and for any of you who, you know, basically the high-level summarization of what happened was it was an unbeliever that, that left. She got rift uh, back in September, and, um, you know, I had over – I was – it's called being the overseer, okay? So I was assigned oversight, okay, on her project. And um, so, and they were under a lot of pressure because they had to do several reports really, really fast, highly customized for the customer. The customer was humongous. And um, when they gave me the reports to peer review, um, I actually went in and I rewrote a bunch of sentences and corrected like it took me about, about six hours. I put a lot of effort into it. And when I sent it back to her, she said, holy moly, look at this. This is brilliant. You, she said, you are the first oversight manager I have ever had that actually did any work. And, you know, we got to, you know, pal up a little bit. She had horses and I was really into, uh, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the, the horsey movies and stuff on TV at the time. And we we shared notes back and forth. And then Anyway, I you know you, you get busy. You go back to work, and months pass by, and then I heard that she got rich. I was like, "That's ridiculous!" You know, she she was always an incredibly hard worker and all that. Uh, anyway, then out of clear blue sky, she says to me, "I don't even know why. I'm going to bring you along," and I'm like, "I hadn't heard from her for months and months and months," and it was like, "I'm going to bring you along. I've made it my mission that I'm going to bring you along with me where I where I'm going." And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And um, I just, you know, kind of went along, you know, doing my thing. Well, anyway, so anyway, uh, long story short, now I'm going to fast forward several, several long months. Um, You know, I end up getting this phone call from that place, and everything seemed to be going okay, except I got the impression while we were talking that they were very interested in my, you know, client list and things like that which I perceive as being unethical. So I pulled out of the race. Okay, I very, very nicely said, you know, um, this, that, and the other thing. Didn't lie. Not even a white fib, not a teensy-weensy. And I went, and I said, I, I just kind of have a second thoughts. Well, then uh, a week goes by, and things are getting real bumpy at my main employer, which is the one I just left, and they, and they, it was getting real bumpy. And I was going, what, what happened was they had this, you know, they have an annual kickoff meeting, and I know how to read Illuminati speak. Okay, a lot of people don't know how to read Illuminati speak. I can, I am an expert Illuminati translator. I, I, so when I'm listening to a CEO and he's saying things like, you know, if the Russian war uh, continues uh, or, or, or ends pretty soon, we'll, we'll be right back on track. If the Russian war continues and, and is extended for an extended period of time, uh, things are going to get, you know, real rocky around here. Now, that is Illuminati speak for look out, there's going to be more layoffs. And then there was another meeting where another person, you know, they they fired a really senior executive. These guys eat their young. 
feed their young. It doesn't matter how good a friend. You could be a lifelong friend with these guys, and they'll bring you in, blah, 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 and then they'll, they'll literally put, put a metaphorical noose around your neck and hang you up in a public square, even if you've been friends your whole career, because they eat their young. That's just how these people think. Well, anyway, so um, anyway, you know, it's like Kennedy being part of the Illuminati 13 top Illuminati bloodline families. You know, he 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 didn't know they were using him to for to, to their means. He didn't realize that, and they ended up killing him. So anyway, um, uh, so that's what I mean when they eat their young. You know, but anyway. So then um, I, I went through all these meetings, and I'm like, I'm hearing all this Illuminati stuff, and I'm going, uh, oh, boy, danger ahead. The ship's listening, and it's on fire. And I thought, you know, and something came over me. It was like the Holy Spirit. It had to be the Holy Spirit or something. It was God's Spirit, some kind of a – I don't know. But I could not stop. This happened to me one other time when the Lord used me to rebuke a very dark event that was occurring inside of a church. First time it ever happened to me, last time it ever happened to me, hopefully it'll never happen again. But I couldn't control myself. Literally, the Lord overcame me, and, you know, it was like a prophetic tongue came out of me and blah, blah. And then the, then the lights went out in the church like two times after I walked out, and it was just incredibly supernatural and spooky and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it was like that. I had this energy just come over me, and I was like, I, I, I couldn't stop myself, because my tendency is always to rethink something, rethink it again, think 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 it again. I don't know if I should do this. Maybe I should cast lots. Maybe I should do this. I, I mean, I got to look for another confirmation, and, um, but I, it wasn't like that. I mean, it just it took me over, and I went straight into my email, and I said, having second thoughts, if you would care to talk again, and that's all I sent. Okay, that's all I put in there. Hit send, and my head went, bam, down on the table. And I was like, dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, please open only the doors that you want to open. Slam shut any that you don't want. In Jesus' name, let this be it. Well, I get this email back, and they're like, you know, they, they do that whole thing where they, you know, well, we got other candidates, so we're looking at this, that, and the other thing, and you know, blah, 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 and that kind of stuff. And I said, no problem. I completely understand. Four days go by, and bam, I got, you know, uh, they're back, and everything's fine. You know, um, they up the offer uh generously. Um, and uh, it was, they didn't have to do any of that stuff because I lost my upper hand in the bargaining, at the bargaining table. Once you fold, you know, when you fold your hands and you walk away from the bargaining table, now the, the, the ball is in their court. They own you. Okay. You're back. You know, you're, you're, you know, that's just how bargaining works. So anyway, I, I just said very humbly, I said, I completely understand just thought I would toss this over the wall and see what you think. And I was very humble. And um, then they came back and everything was cool and it moved forward. Now I'm shifting into the, you know, oh, I'm such a guilty dog. You know, the only way I'm going to be able to get my bonus is I have to wait until my bonus is paid. And if I wait until my bonus is paid, then I'm not going to be able to give a two-week notice. And if I don't give a two-week notice, I'm, I'm the lowliest piece of whale blubber that ever walked the face of these, the earth. I'm hurting the people that I've been working with for the last five years. That's unthinkable. I would never do that. And, you know, and then, I, and then I looked at the thing, and I'm like, 
going, oh, my gosh, I really have to wait till the last minute because they're going to hold back my paycheck. And, and that's a couple of days later. And I'm like looking at the clock and I'm seeing it's just cr- it's just like going, wow, wow, looking at me. And every time I look at a calendar, I just felt horrible. I'm like going, oh, no. And it just got worse and worse and worse. This just overwhelming feeling of guilt. And I couldn't stand it. I, you know, I'm sitting here with a wonderful offer letter, very nice people, and I, I'm just overwhelmed with guilt. I mean, I'm just unbelievably overwhelmed with guilt. I can't, I can't, I couldn't even have done the show. There's no way I could have done the show on, on Wednesday. There's no way I could have done the show on Friday. I was feeling, I knew that I was heading into this train wreck. I knew that what was going to happen to me was going to be bad because that's what it always is. Not to mention that you know, the company that I just left has a history of being remarkably litigious. That means they sue you with lawyers, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, they will also extort you during the HR exit interview. They will extort you. They will offer you things that they're not really going to give you. And then, you know, tell you that if you sign this and sign that, you know, and then they lie. They lie. They're, they're pathological liars. So anyway, uh, but I already knew about all that because I'm friends with everybody that got laid, laid off back in September. And, you know, we talk all the time and stuff. So I, I, I know their little games. So anyway, so but I'm still feeling guilty because I got these people I've been working with heavily for the last five years and they depend on me and all this kind of stuff. And I go, I get a call Thursday night late from this guy that used to work there, blah, blah, blah. And he's well-connected, uh, as I. And uh, he says, you're not going to believe this, but they like, lead off, you know, blankety-blank, this particular person. I'm like, no way they did that. He, they said, yep, you got a pink slip. And I'm like going, how did you find that out? And he told me who it was, and I knew it because I'd worked with that guy before and all that kind of stuff. So the grapevine was hot. Uh, I was getting really good information, but I was kind of doubtful. I was like, I was thinking to myself, I just couldn't believe this particular person would have been laid off. And by the way, he's at the same exact rank in the organi- organizational chart as I am. And he works for one of the most profitable groups in the entire company. So that's why I was really having a hard time processing why they would have let that guy go. I'm the one who's not making any money. I'm the one sitting on my hands right now because they don't have any work to give me. So I'm thinking to myself, if they're running numbers, why wouldn't they chop me? And then um, I get this call. It was a, it was a already pre-scheduled one-on-one with my boss who was really high up, you know, really, really high up in a company. And um, he says, I, I, get, I guess you might have heard that we had another layoff last night. And I'm like, I kind of did. And I, I said, you know me, you know, <laughs> I know everybody, I'm, you know, that kind of thing. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And, and he, and he kind of confirmed everything and stuff. And you know what he said to me? This is the morning. Okay, now, th- talk about Jesus Christ, God our Father, literally manipulating every second of every event The very guy that I was horrified about disappointing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, him and one other guy I work for directly, and I, I've saved their butts a gazillion times. They're extremely depend- dependent on my skill sets. I can go into a five-alarm fire, put the fire out, make the customer happy, uh, and solve the problem. Every single time. I've been doing it forever. Okay, And they are very dependent on me. And I knew that, and I, I was like thinking, man, I am with so letting him down. And he looks at me over the Zoom call, and he says, and I joke you not, he says, and you know what? I wouldn't blame you if you started to look for another job. <laughs> and I'm 
thinking to myself, oh, this can't – I did not just hear those words. Exactly 60 minutes later, out came my – I had already gone on a work day and all that kind of stuff, filled out all the forms, filled out the letter, and then, you know, put, put all the necessary words in there, you know, to make sure that they got – you know, they needed to know that I meant business. They needed to know that um, that it was health related. It was a toxic environment. I'm not going to, you know, I'm I I, I am waiving uh, all uh, uh, HR interviews. Um, disable my Intune account. Send me a box for my laptop. It's over, uh, and I ain't talking to you no more. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what I said, and um, and I sent it out, and you know, I get this call back from my boss, and he's just smiling from ear to ear, going, "Son of a gun, you already had your finger on the uh, the good old trigger," which I did, which I did. Um, I had it all queued up, but when he said those words, it was like God saying, "John, stop feeling guilty." These guys are all attendees at the WEF. They're buddies with Klaus Schwab. You know, jump ship and jump fast and stop feeling guilty. And so I was like, it was an amazing thing. So this Tuesday, I already got my uh, new laptop for the new gig lined up here, um, and it's sitting here right in front of me. It's a good thing I didn't open it up and turn it on and start playing with it because there's this like little note in there inside the box that says, uh, do not turn on your laptop and start playing with it. You have to first uh, activate your XYZ and your LMNOP first. And so it's like, oh, good, because I really, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I've been geeking out for so long. Getting a new laptop to me is like, whatever, another laptop. To me, it's more of a frustration than it is anything else because i you know i've set up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laptops over the years but anyway praise god i you know it couldn't have been any more supernatural hold on i gotta take drink a bar uh, uh. anyway it couldn't have gone down any more timely wise it was so supernatural so supernatural there is no other way it can be described if that layoff had happened any other day, it wouldn't have worked out. Everything went down like it was military precision. This happened, then this happened, then this happened, then that happened, then this happened, then that happened. Of course, I'm going through all my guilt. I feel like such a rat fink. And, and all of a sudden, bam, layoff, bam. You ought to look for another job. Bam, pull the trigger. Bam, done deal. I'm <laughs> like going, no way. Um, and I'm I'm kind of still in shock about the whole thing. Praise God. And you know what? I can always start my own business. I mean, I'm literally a walking consulting company. I am. I just don't want to. Okay, I'm old enough right now that I don't want to be doing 12, 13, 14-hour days every doggone day and talking. I don't want to have to, like, look for, you know, big speaking engagements and, you know, you know, I even I even have from my doctor, you know, propanolol. You take 10, no, it's 20 milligrams of propanolol, and you can stand up in front of a 2,000-seat auditorium and talk to people without getting a panic, you know, panic attack. But I don't want to do that, you know. I I can do it, but I don't want to do it. All right. So anyway, so um, all I want to do is serve the Lord. All I want to do is do the radio show. All I want to do is help people, minister to them. When people write me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com, I want to help them. You know, if they sign up for, you know, Google Chat or whatever, and they put in jbaptist777 at gmail.com, you know, and they want to talk, as long as they're nice. I talk I talk to a whole lot of people. You know, we share, you know, they might ask me, you know, 
something about a Bible verse or whatever, and I jump in. The only thing that's a little bit hard for me to do is answer like really long letters because it takes because I have to read them. You know what I mean? It would be kind of like wrongful of me to pretend like I read it. And no, I actually have to sit down and read them. And if it's going to take me 10 minutes to do that, and I've only got one hour before I got to start work in the morning, and I've got three other emails queued up, some of those longer emails, sometimes they have to wait a while. But I do love helping people. It's the whole reason I started doing this program. And, um, uh, you know, and I also love, uh, you know, to wear my heart out on my sleeve. If I didn't experience the things in the order, if I did not express the, the magnitude of the guilt that I was feeling, I mean, it was emotionally destroying. I could barely sleep. I'm rolling. In, you know, if it, like there's a scripture in Proverbs or Psalms or something, you know, I, about you rolling around in bed. You know, you're swimming in your sheets all night long. That was, that, was, that, that was the impact it had on me. So if I don't share that testimony, that testimony is gold. That testimony is God in action. That testimony belongs to all of us. Okay, when we have something supernatural happen in our lives, it, 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 it behooves us. We are really essentially admonished by the Scripture to share those testimonies with one another because they don't really belong to us. They belong to the body of Christ. And so there are little bitty pieces, bits and pieces of those testimonies. As long as I'm ver, you know, verbose and detailed and I explain why I felt way, the way I did and why I did this and why I did that and, I, you know, and all that kind of stuff, there's bits and pieces of that testimony that are going to ring true to someone in the listening audience and potentially be helpful for them to navigate challenging times that might happen to them as well. Understand that God did not give me any kind of a confirmation or answer until the very last second. It Once again, it was all about Abraham, the, the knife in the air, and the very nanosecond that that muscle flexed for that knife to go down in the Isaac's chest, okay, God goes, stop. And I, that happens to me so often. You know, I'm always hoping that God's going to pull me out of the pit at the last minute so I don't go sinking 500, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea in a cesspool full of ugly that i got to fight my way out of. I'm always hoping that God's going to thrust the hand of an angel down and pull me out at the last second. Well, he did. He did. Did it again. And um, and boy, if if I sat down and put a list, literally, if I if I I did, I, I you know, I put a, I made a list because I had to get rid of the guilt of all the reasons why I needed to leave. One, two, three, four. OK, wait a minute. Wait, yeah, it's about five pages completely full. Uh, handwritten uh, bullet points of reasons why I just can't work in a company like this. It's toxic, toxic. Um, but anyway, um, but the but that that dynamic uh, receive it, please, in the name of Jesus, because as I had to learn it, I I, I you know I, I knew it was in the Bible, I knew it was highly biblical, I knew that God was a last minute God, I knew that he the Scripture says the Lord God tests the righteous. I get all that, but when you're going through that, you need sometimes you need a little bit more of a nudge, sometimes you need some extra confirmation, and I didn't get it until the day. 
I mean, I had literally written the text. I was ready to pull the trigger, and I was feeling about, you know, two centimeters tall, like a real bad guy. (laughs) And so, um, you know, the way it went down was totally all God, and I hope it encourages you because in your dynamic, you're probably wondering, when is God going to come through for me? And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be at the very Very, very, very last minute. I'm just telling you. Once in a while in my walk, there have been a few times where God has come through for me in prayer. Not at the very, 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 very last minute. But I would say all the hurdles, all the challenges, all the addictions that I've had to get over, you know, I I mean... you know, dumb stuff like smoking cigarettes and stuff like that, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, every one of them required a battle. You know, there's a reason why the Bible says we overcome. And the Lord wants us to fight that good fight. And he does test the righteous, as it says in Proverbs um, and all all over the Bible. So in order for him to test our resolve, to see if we are Joshua 1-9 material, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, but thou, you know, nor be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. That's what God's looking for. And he, want, he will test you. And there's this old saying, and it's probably very true, you know, just at the moment that you quit praying... You were just about to have a breakthrough, but you quit, and then you lost your blessing. Never quit, and always praise. Always show the Lord that you know 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 he is going to come through for you. If you don't feel like you trust God enough, if you don't feel like you love the Lord enough, you tell him and you come out and you say it. I trust you, Father. I trust you. 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 There is life and death in the power of the tongue. And when you speak it forward, it is being spoken forward with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why it says in Philippians 3.20, it says, And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, Jesus according to the power that works in us. Speak it forth. And you know what? Talk to the mountain like it says in the scripture. He who talks to the mountain and believes that he shall receive it, it shall be given to him. And you know what? The hardest part, you know, one of the guests that used to come on the show, he was uh, into. He was a musician, and he used to go. He that uh, uh, what's that guy's name? The waiting is the hardest part. You know, I don't know. Uh, Tom Petty. You know, the waiting is the hardest part, and it's true. It is true. It's really hard. But when you're waiting, you need to be praising. Praising and thanking and trusting and speaking for the power of the Lord Jesus through you because that is who you are. You're already that. 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, I burned up a whole bunch of time, but I wanted to share that because it's my job and I have to do it. And besides, this uh, this radio show, really, when you think about it, I'm doggone it. Why is it the first couple of tissues that come out of a tissue box are like, it's like a game of tug of war with an alligator. And you're like, what? And then you pull it real hard, and then you get this tiny little piece, and the uh, and the um, the tissue box like always wins. I mean, I always I feel secretly like the tissue box is snickering, going, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, okay, so let me go ahead and put this down here, get it out of the way. All right, thank you, Jesus. So, anyway, tons and tons and tons of news, of course. Um, are we going to go into a little bit of a respite? Um, is there going to be a period when I see respite, what I'm really saying is when things are blowing up all over the place, you know, we get a lot, a lot of things are blowing up. How many trains went down in, in the last four days? How many trains was it like four? I'm pretty sure it was four. They just found an 18 inch pipe bomb. Okay. Just found an 18 inch pipe bomb, uh, tied to a rail, uh, you know, a track um, in a place called Fulton. Now, I don't know if it was Fulton County near Philly. That's what I think it is. Um, not Fulton, PA, but Fulton, some kind of Fulton County or something nearby Philly because uh, there were people debating it. But anyway, yeah, they found they actually found the pipe bomb. Now, how they found it, I have no idea. Maybe people are extra vigilant now because so many trains are and all this chemical detox and fires. What's up with all the fires? I mean, it, now it isn't even just chicken farms and things. Now we're talking about manufacturing facilities that are loaded with chemicals all over. Even in Italy, it's happening. I mean, it's uh, Ottawa, I think, is another place. No, Montreal, uh, whatever. Uh, maybe it's one and the same. I don't know Canada's layout that well. I just know Saskatchewan is really cold. Anyway, so, um, but, uh, and there's even another province that's even colder, but I forget which one it is. But anyway, um, <clears throat> they're blowing everything up. All over the place, they're blowing everything up. Um, and it, we, we know, I mean, come on, you really ha- would have to be, you know, kind of dumbed down a little bit to not realize that this stuff is all being orchestrated and paid for by the forces of darkness. You can call it Antifa if you want to. You can give it a name if you want to. I just like to use the collective term of Global Satanic Crime Syndicate. It is all part of the orchestrated takedown of the West. And, of course, you know, hey, there's the fringe benefit of getting to watch everybody die slowly from painful diseases because uh, Satanists love that. They, they love it. That's why I tell people all the time, they are not going to take your guns away. All they're doing is they're threatening to take your guns away so that you'll run out and buy a bunch more because they want you to kill each other. Okay, and so I'm not even going to get into that. I, you know, everybody knows how I feel about guns, and it's 100% scriptural. And if you want to be like Jesus, you better get rid of them. I pray all the time in the name of Jesus. Anybody that does have one, Father in Jesus' name, make that thing turn red hot and burn their hands instead of letting them go to hell. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, people just don't understand their scripture. They don't understand Jesus. They don't know who he is. They don't know we're supposed to be like him. They don't know we're supposed to walk to our death with our cross on our back till Golgotha, just like he did. Now, anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Kids, you want to hear a joke? Let's do a joke quick. I know. Well, I got to admit, you're kind of cheerful, all things considered. It has been a couple of days. Okay. 
Okay, kids, which knight invented King Arthur's Round Table? Sir Conference. <laughs> you know, Sir Okay, Spanky, I see you with your map. Spanky, Spanky's going to be like an Einstein. He'll drop out at the age of 15. Wait, was it? Yeah, it was about 15 years old. I guess he dropped out of school and then became a math genius. That's what you're going to do, aren't you, Spanky? Well, we ain't going to be here that long, so don't get too excited about it. Kids, why don't skeletons fight? Because they don't have the guts. <laughs> right? Skeletons don't have guts. Come on. Don't. Okay. All right, boy, a little delay there. I was starting to wonder. Sit down, Spanky. All right. Um, okay, one more here. What do you call malware on a Kindle? A bookworm. That's kind of a fiber joke. That's pretty funny, isn't it, kids? Okay. I'll take the three in a row any day. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's go into the news. And boy, do we got a lot. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. <laughs> Game over. Prophecy time, and this one's entitled, Am I Not Mighty Enough? Okay, so this is from Wings, and it said, it's got some stuff in here that we all need to, like, know about. I think we do, but it's good to reinforce it. My children, do not fret about where you are or um, where you are not in this time. Am I not mighty enough to move you into, in, into place? Am I not mighty enough to protect you wherever you are? Just as I did the three Hebrew men, where is your faith? Where is your faith in me, children? This is, this is a very important paragraph here. Quote, It is true your lands are about to become more dangerous than ever. It is also true many of you will not remain on this earth, as these things happen, as I am calling many home whose works are nearly done here. Okay, so now I'm going to read. Re, re, uh, this is me, so I want to make sure the Lord knows. You know, I just got to go the extra mile here. Lord, I think everybody listening to this radio show knows what that's the barley harvest. We want to all go. All right. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry. Sometimes I just have to, you know, push, you know, that's that's what's called praying through. Hallelujah. With a little bit of sound effect. All right. But anyway, I wanted I wanted you to hear that because, you know, it says right here, I am calling many of you home whose works are nearly done here. Okay, so, you know, it, it does have to do with, you know, the things that we're called to do the ways that we're able to touch people's lives, the amount of time that we put into prayer. Uh, you know, uh, these things are seen by God as being unbelievably important. 
And um, those are all counted in our favor as far as our efforts that we're putting forth for God, for our Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's what it's all about. Praise God. And I would even argue um, way more important than, you know, blabbing on a podcast or talking to a you know a bunch of people in a church building or whatever, passing a collection plate. I would submit that a person who really lends themselves to fervent prayer is the highest ranking of all as far as our father is concerned. Our Father considers prayer warriors some of his very, very, very best and and celebrated saints. Make no mistake. I I could go digging up a, a you know a vision or this person was taken to heaven and I could read the whole thing to you and you'd be like wow. Because this one particular incredible mansion and the pastor who is out, you know, hanging outside of the mansion, the angels explicitly told the person that the reason that pastor was being rewarded like that had nothing to do with him being a pastor. It had everything to do with how he prayed for people. Now you know why we pray like we do on the prayer vigil. But that's not that's not to limit you. It's only to expand your horizons. And all you know, there are times when I pray for one person. There are times when I pray for four hundred people on a list. There are times when I pray for oh, I don't know, a dozen individuals individually, one by one. Each of them have their own special needs and I zero in on that. You know, it's 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 everything. It's all of the above. Hallelujah. And what a wonderful God we have. That, and, it, and it's even in the scripture. It, Isaiah 43, 25, one of my favorite verses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance and let us work together. Well, how in the world would you contend together with the Lord? Through prayer. That is the key. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So none of us really has any kind of, I mean, uh, we, if we fall a little bit short on our talents and rewards, well, it's kind of our own silly fault. We got things backwards. It's, you know, and I just pray all the time. You know, I, I, if there's one point that I can get across to anybody who ever listens to this program is the, is the crucial nature. Nothing is more important to our Heavenly Father than our, the time that we put into prayer for other people. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's go with, let's just mow our way through the rest of these many, many, many headlines and audio bites. Here we go. All right, praise Jesus. I got to zoom in here on my uh, show notes. Hold on here. Okay, good. And here we go. Um, I just wanted you to hear. This is just awesome. I'll tell you what. I know there's a lot of people. That everybody's people are people. Christians are Christians. I'm not going to get into it. I will say this. 
the words speak for themselves. This is Ron DeSantis speaking in front of the entire state of Florida at a particular event, and I am like, this is the bomb, and it's worth playing 10 times. It's that good. All right, here we go. I'm joined by the president of the Florida Senate, your senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. And Speaker of the House of Representatives, Paul Renner in the state of Florida. Now, normally when we have the traveling road show with the three of us, you can probably guess that there's going to be some legislative proposals discussed. And so that's why we're here. And you'll be able to hear about that in just one minute. But we also have our local representatives, both Mello and Rommel are with us here today. Thank you. That gets better. And we'll hear from Lieutenant Tom Orr, who's with the Collier Sheriff's Office, as well as Brendan Wexler, is domestic energy production. Is domestic energy Is domestic energy production. They do not like us producing more oil and gas. They do not want us to be energy independent. And that's a bad policy because I think we all know whether we're in talking about the WEF Klaus Schwab bottom line in terms of the energy that you have to consume to go to work uh, to, to live and to do the basic things we all do uh, businesses to operate uh, but also it affects our national security when you have to go to foreign countries that are hostile to us to try to get energy that is not a good place to be in but what ESG wants to do ESG uh, they want to put a premium against that type of business it's also bad for our national security. When you're doing this stuff with ESG, you are increasing the costs that businesses have to comply with here in the United States. Why does that affect our national security? Well, one of the major things facing our country that we need to do is recapture all the supply chains and bring them out of China uh, and get them back here. You had a situation when COVID hit, almost every single thing that people needed was produced in China. Why would you want that uh, when this is a country that is not uh, an ally of the United States? And so that really helps China, ESG. Uh, it gives them an even bigger competitive advantage than they already have with how they don't follow and, and, and do uh, fair dealing. So we don't want to go down that road either. Uh, it also violates the fiduciary duty that executives have to the shareholders of the publicly traded companies. If you think about it, your pension money, your retirement money is likely invested in, in some of these funds, and those funds should be done to try to produce. All right. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the summary. So basically, he calls out the WEF. He calls out uh, ESG. He says it ain't going to happen in this state, no way, no how. We're going to put sanctions on any companies that try to pull that garbage. If there's a banking institution like J.P. Morgan that, that is out there trying to play ESG games and, and getting rid of their clients over that, I'm going to have something to say about it, and he's going to bring down sanctions. He's already taken down Walt Disney World, and he ain't playing. 
Okay, he's basically putting on eight-ounce boxing gloves, and he's ready to bounce Klaus Schwab right across the room, and he has no bones about it. He's right up in the front. He's calling them out by name. He's calling out their programs. He's explaining that they're not going to do it. They're not getting it away. As he has said before, uh, woke, uh, Florida is where woke comes to die. Okay, and so, um, so when you hear people out there on Twitter or wherever it is that you hang out or articles that you read and they they try to impeach Ron DeSantis, I'm here to tell you, you know, it's just like with Trump in the beginning. You know, Trump didn't know. Nobody knew what was happening on with, with the pandemic. Nobody knows. You know, you don't know something until you, until you know it. You don't know what you don't know. So if you go back in time, okay, to a speech or to some relationship or to some whatever that Trump had in his earlier days or DeSantis had in his earlier days, well, it was before they knew the stuff that they know now. So these people try to impeach these people and try to make them look like they're bad people because at the time they recorded whatever it is they recorded, they were ignorant and they did not know what was going on. What matters is what are they saying today? And you know what? I don't even give a rip about politics. As far as I'm concerned, you know, if I wake up tomorrow and find out the Russians just nuked, you know, a bunch of places, and I'll be, I'll be like, hallelujah, I'll go out in my underwear, I'll be running around so happy. Come on, Jesus, hallelujah, let's get out of here. Anyway, praise God. I just, but I did want to show that to you because there's all, there's this, you know, whatever. You know, it's just kind of neat because when you look at all the things that all the governors in this country say, None of them have the chutzvah or the chutzvah. I can't say it right. Uh, that that uh, DeSantis do. I'm, you know, he, he he's way real vocal. He's like, you know, bring it on, Klaus Schwab. You ain't touching anybody in the state of Florida. All right, and I, you know, so I guess you know. I don't know. Maybe it'll make house of salt pastor or something. Who knows? I don't care about that stuff anyway. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right, now this one here is from Redacted, and it is about uh, – I don't think I'm going to play the whole thing, but I'll play a little bit of it just to set you up for – I think I mentioned this before on a prior show, but it, it merits re-mentioning because it is an act of war that is so horrific. And it's right up there with chemical weapons, if not even to some degree worse. All right, so let me go ahead and play this real quick for you. Here we go. January 25th, the Biden administration announced that it would be sending Abrams tanks to Ukraine, which is an obvious escalation of this war, something that President Biden said would lead to World War III. Apparently, that is out the window. But maybe lost in this whole story is what type of munitions will be used by these Abrams tanks. Remember those depleted uranium munitions that were found in Iraq, which, of course, maybe led to all sorts of birth defects in Iraq. We're not going to show you the images because they're absolutely horrible, but you can definitely do an internet or a Google search for depleted uranium birth defects Iraq if you want to seek out what those images look like. You'll see what I'm talking about. They're hard to look at. We might be seeing similar scenes playing out in Ukraine before long. Redacted correspondent Dan Cohen has this story. Dan, this is an obvious escalation. What did you find out about these munitions and about these Abrams tanks? 
All right. So to save time, I'm just going to let you know that Dan gives the whole lowdown and how they're getting ready to send over the uh, depleted uranium shells. They are intending to do it on purpose. It is an act, a type of a war crime. It's right up there with use of chemical weapons. And oh, by the way, just so you know, you might say, oh, well, you know, maybe they're shooting it at the Russian armor, which is the intent of depleted uranium. But that I can guarantee you, folks, they're going to spray the Donbass. They're going to spray all those towns that have been liberated by the Russian, Russian Federation. All the little children, all the all the moms and the dads that are trying to get their kids to this school, all the newly rebuilt schools in Mariupol that you know the RF already you know restored, and they're going to just spray that poison, all that uranium, all over those towns, and it's going to be it's going to be devastating. It's going to be absolutely horrible. At least with chemical weapons, as a general rule, as horrible as they are, once the wind blows, they go away. Not these. They create havoc and birth defects for years to come. So, you know, it really does fry my mind that Putin sees all this happening. Now, I know that I, I, I got a film of a convoy moving in from the north towards Kiev. All right. And I'm not going to play that. You know, it's Kiev. I don't care what it's. Kiev. Whatever. It's Kiev. It's been Kiev for dozens and dozens of years so anyway i you know they are moving convoys in from the north they do have 500,000 uh people that they've called up so the rf is absolutely totally ready to mow over it like a bad lawn all right and they're in the process of doing that but they're also not in a hurry to hurt anybody they don't want to they, they want to do everything almost 90 I would say probably 85 to 90 percent of all casualties of war associated with civilian casualties, uh, hospitals, uh, apartment buildings. It's all the Nazis. It's the Azov Battalion. And then they go, look what Russia did. And then CNN picks it up and blah, blah, blah. And around and around and around it goes. And where it stops, nobody knows. And then eventually some folks like Glenn Beck and, uh, you know, this guy from Redacted and some of these other places, they catch on to it. And then it becomes pretty, you know, common knowledge. You know, Colonel Douglas McGregor, et cetera. They all, they're wise to it. And they let people know. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this next lead, this is awesome. This is a 19. 91 leaked audio clip of Rockefeller uh, talking about, you know, their master plan for taking over the world. And um, I just like it because it's dated because it helps people to embrace how long this has been going on and and really embrace the magnitude of where we are in the end times. Okay, we are much, much further along than most people think, especially in churchianity, all right? So anyway, let me go ahead and play this little snippet. If it's too long, I'll cut it off, but that's okay. I just want you to hear, you know, the the gist of the matter, okay? So here we go. Let me bring it up. All right, here we go. All right. Fellow internationalists, billionaire and former CFR chairman David Rockefeller praised his media allies, but his confidence that his words would not leave the room was later broken. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other publications whose directors have attended our meetings and restricted their policies of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the right lines of publicity. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government. 
that these men aim to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. In short, they seek total and quiet control of the entire world. All right. Boy, that's like a thank you, Captain Obvious kind of thing. I don't know if you remember the movie Utopia, okay? Um, but, uh, I, you know, I think a little review is in order, particularly since we're just now um, coming out of the first wave of pandemic and medical tyranny and now entering into the second wave, which could be Marlberg, who knows. But they've been very, very verbose about the next one coming, and it is coming. It is coming. It's going to get a lot worse. The ceremony vision talks about it in detail, and it ain't going to be pretty. It's going to make COVID look like a sniffle. All right. So anyway, this is a little snippet out of the movie Utopia, uh, where the uh, heroines of the of the uh, series um, capture the bad guy who who would be basically the Dr. Fauci. Okay, so you're, you're going to hear him talking about their master plan. And, and and in reality, what they did was they canceled the second season of Utopia because they got way too close to the truth. All right. So anyway, let's take a quick snippet of this just to remind ourselves of how evil the evil is that we're dealing with right here. Exactly what we want. Hundreds of millions of Americans lining up, offering us their arms and letting us give them our creation. I'm pretty sure when every vaccinated person starts dying, they'll trace back to you, undetectable virus or not. And how's it a cure if you're killing people? I told you it does not kill. That was the amazing epiphany we had. We didn't have to kill to accomplish our goal. What? We intend to stop human reproduction generations busy. Uh, all right yeah that you know utopia was actually a really incredible uh uh series to watch uh but it was very violent and um it had plenty of those really bad words that most of us would rather not ever have to expose ourselves to you know, people slip them in, you know, TV, a TV show or something will slip one in on you, you know, if you're watching something on cable here and there. But, uh, yeah, this movie's, you know, it's hardcore. Uh, but the message that they send in the movie and the methodology and strategy that they em- employed to get everybody to hunger and thirst for their opportunity to get a shot in their arm was absolutely every bit as sinister as the seething evil of Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, and our favorite guy, Dr. Fauci, and and all of his comrades in crime. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up is woke airlines are hiring unqualified pilots. How lovely is that? You know, because they got to keep up their woke quotas, right? And this is from Tucker Carlson. Next up. Commercial air travel in the United States has long been the safest in the world. So safe you never think about it. When was the last time a big jet crashed in this country? What, October 2001? Decades ago. But like so much else, that began to change immediately after Joe Biden became president. Biden imposed the principles of equity on the airlines. 
And that meant dramatically lowering hiring standards for pilots and for air traffic controllers. And disgracefully, the airlines went along with it. Result? There have been several near disasters in aviation recently with hundreds of lives at stake in each case. Last Wednesday, for example, a United flight was coming in for a landing at Bush Intercontinental Airport in Houston. The aircraft was low enough that passengers could clearly see the runway. Right before landing, a plane on the ground taxied out into the path of the United flight. The pilot aborted the landing so dramatically that people on board were terrified. It was another near miss at an American airport, though this one never made the news. What's happening here? We wanted to know what is going on in commercial aviation. Clearly something is. So we reached out to someone who's flown for the airlines for many years. The following account was written in December by a veteran United Airlines pilot. Under its woke CEO, Scott Kirby, United Airlines has allowed politics and racialist ideology to trump safety concerns. According to this pilot who works for Scott Kirby right now, those decisions have put the lives of passengers in grave danger. Quote, Name Redacted just told me about a B777 off Maui that almost crashed two nights ago. Both pilots became disoriented and pulled out of a dive 300 feet above the water, pulling two and a half Gs. I'm just home from Denver Training Center. There's some real horror stories out there about United, but management is hell-bent on just ignoring what is going on. The investigation is still ongoing, but the captain of the Maui flight was brand new. There was a new hire first officer, and my understanding is that we almost lost an airplane for no good reason. Both have been sent back to go through the four-week course. The new hire here on my fleet is a nightmare. It took him 50 hours to get through initial operating experience. Worse yet, talking to his instructor, out of his 25 landings in the simulator, 15 ended up in the dirt. Not one of them was on the center line of the runway. They said his radio work was like that of a private pilot. He has no situational awareness. I'm jump seating to SFO right now. A United B777 first officer is next to me. She said the training is totally inadequate for new hires. Her husband helps train them at United's in-house pilot academy, Aviate. He's constantly asking these kids who come in, has anyone told you what this is? Many have no idea what they're getting into. They're hiring people straight out of high school now. Zero aviation knowledge or desire. It's just about the money and adhering to ESG. End quote. All right. So I hope you heard that because I can tell you that the way it has always worked before the global satanic crime syndicate took over the world is a pilot would have to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, indeed thousands in some cases, hours logged as a pilot with some type of an airline before they would even be allowed to be considered to become a junior pilot for a major airline such as United. All right? You understand? And now they're taking them out of high school, throwing them into a 40-hour training class, and then you're sitting on the plane wondering if you're going to live. Hope you're, hope you're putting all this together. 
Um, I could play you another audio bite um, on November the 7th, 2022. Captain uh, Alan Danis summarized uh, several worrying headlines here. Some of them are on November 1st, 2022, Austrian uh, Airlines uh, OS-235 from Vienna to Berlin. The co-pilot vomited over the instrument panel and then leaned on the thrust levers and the plane jetted forward out of control. On November 3rd of 2022, uh, Fly Dubai 737 incapacitated pilot had a stroke. Hello? Can anybody say um, booster shot? Uh, September 21, 2022, Lufthansa Airlines first officer collapses uh, 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 on a flight attendant when he's taking a restroom break. So it's another, it's all about the facts. Indonesian pilot collapses in a cabin caught on video. You know, when they're dropping like flies in the air, we all know why. All right. Not to mention, you know, you got to have your LGBTQ element OP up there that just got out of high school. So, you know, drive, you know, fly, oh, oh, mm, 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 mm. all right. Next one up. This one here is about, oh, it's about the, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play the, the audio bite. Okay. It's about the Ashbury revival. All right. There are a lot of other colleges that are starting to join in on these revivals. There is good and there is bad, but there is always good and there is always bad. That is just the way it's always been. I'm just letting you know. So if you decide to take the side of the bad, you will find out very quickly uh, that they had LGBT, LMNOP people leading the praise and worship on in the band, okay, up and singing. So, of course, the natural human thing to do would be to impeach the entire revival and call everybody satanic and of the devil, because that's what we do. But it's not correct. There's an awful lot of ignorance, and there's an awful lot of baby Christians out there that do not get things. And you know what? A lot of those baby Christians are standing at the pulpit. That's a fact. And so, unfortunately, these sorts of things do happen. And all I'm saying is we all need to stand by, look at the good, understand it's coming. Yes, there will be some people with purple hair that have, you know, homosexual practices in their lives. And no, they will not make it. Okay, but that doesn't mean that everybody else that was in that audience that given praise to Jesus was somehow influenced in a negative manner on account of it. And that's the problem that we have is Christians tend to be generalists and they point out one bad thing in the room and then everybody's impeached. They're all a bunch of devils. And that is not how God works. You know, if if God shut down every church because somebody, uh, you know, just walked off the street from Teen Challenge, okay, and was high on some crack or something, if that, you know, if that's all it took to shut down an entire church, there wouldn't be any Christians in the world. Because that's all part of the process. You got to bring in the people that are dorked up so that you can, you know, team up on them and bring them to where they need to be in their walk. Nobody's perfect the first second they walk into a church. And there's a lot of misgivings and a lot of misunderstandings that have filtered, in, you know, infiltrated into the doctrine of churches and groups. And, you know, unfortunately, what we want to steer, look, it is highly wise. I am sharing with you in very well-qualified wisdom. Do not judge any of this. Praise God for every single person who is being touched by Jesus in these events. Stop trying to look for the negative stuff, because if you're doing that, 
you're going to have some answering to do. When Jesus said, judge not that ye be judged, he meant every word. Just don't let yourself get sucked into that. Praise God for any of this stuff going on because it is going to explode just like Jesus promised us and just like our scripture says, Isaiah 60, verses 1, 2, and 3. It's all there, and yes, as the blackness and the darkness of Satan rises up, so shall the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are there going to be a couple of naughty naughties in the bride or those who think they're part of the bride? Yes, but you know what? That's why there is a first fruits barley harvest. There is a wheat harvest that is going to allow those that don't make the barley harvest get additional, um, you know, they're going to have to go through some ugly, and hopefully it's all they'll need to be able to make the wheat harvest. Praise God. Refiner's fire. All right, another headline. Christian headline says, A mighty move of God, Asbury University revival spreads to two more colleges. Hallelujah. All right, next the next uh, headline up. Epstein's uh, sex tapes. Ugh, talk about going from revival to something yucky. Anyway, so next up. All right, according to this report, one of Jeffrey Epstein's child blank tapes traffic victim, Sarah Ransom, told the court that she made copies of tapes of high-ranking officials doing horrible things to children and committing other horrific crimes. Ransom claims that the footage shows Obama and his boyfriend, Michael, doing horrible things to the victims as well. Boy, I hope they release that. I would love to see them get, well, anyway, whatever. Oh, Lord, get us out of here. All right, next one up. The World Health Organization reports that there is a major warning for a Marlberg out- outbreak, according to the Daily Mail. A World Health Organization convenes. Uh, Sister Terry, I want to let you know that we I made this a three-hour show, so you're going to be on live stream all the way to 10 if you want to take it. Uh, and I'm going to continue. Uh, convenes urgent meeting over uh, outbreak of Marlberg virus, uh, which is one of the deadliest. It kills up to 90% of the patients, and there is no cure. And that's true. It's actually kind of worse than Ebola. It's bad. All right. All right. And then, of course, uh, we've got, once again, Redacted here making a comment on the same subject. And let's go ahead and listen to this. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Here we go. Harry, Let's talk about this latest World Health Organization gearing up for its next pandemic. And it probably and it already has basically its next virus all ready to go. Like we were wondering, they've been warning us, by the way, that this is about to happen. They've been telling us, like, it's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when this is going to happen. And by the way, they were gaming out COVID months ahead of time, right? We were learning about their game, their sort of uh, game theory and everything that they were rolling out and testing months ahead of time. Yeah. And then Dr. Fauci even told us, of course, that it's going to happen under Trump's calendar. Yeah. And it absolutely did. So here's the next one that they're already gaming out in, right. in Africa. Okay. So it is called Marburg virus, the World Health Organization. All right, so I'll cut to the chase. They're going to go into all kind of blah, 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 blah. Blood squirts out your eyes. Blood squirts out your mouth. Blood squirts out your ears. Blood squirts out every orifice on your entire body. You are in agonizing pain, and you don't last very long. Pretty much that's about it. All right. Also, this, uh, this is an interesting kind of like a tidbit headline. Uh, so the people in Switzerland... <laughs> 
I love it. So the people in Switzerland, I don't know exactly where they're going to do this, but they had a fellow walking down the street, and they've got these gigantic wanted posters, okay, with like wanted Bill Gates for you know for crimes against humanity, wanted Klaus Schwab. They got photographs of them, and they're putting them up on all the walls and stuff. So when people were walking down the streets, there's you know, it's like so there's you know, a lot of people that are waking up to the things that are going on, but. Do we really think anything's going to change? My 12 years of experience says no. Buckle up. Next one. Listen to this. Listen to this. It's not a headline. What this is is an audio bite of a person, you know, a group of people. They are standing outside of a car in the United Kingdom. Inside of the car in the United Kingdom in the street is Bill Gates, and the crowd is surrounding the car. I will let you hear for yourself what they say. Here we go. think that probably drove the point home. So, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the I guess the point is the cat's kind of like out of the bag. And it really is kind of like out of the bag on a worldwide level. So what you have is the Global Santana Crime Syndicate and their little collection of flunkies uh, that are under their control grid uh, running all the countries. They've been putting them in place forever. Zelensky was placed into uh, power in the Ukraine by Obama, the Antichrist himself. So really, you know, the, but the folks, the people, they're on to it. All right. All right. Praise God. Next one up. Uh, United States, New York medical freedom protest outside of the Pfizer head office in downtown New York City. And they're carrying signs for the vaccine injured. The dam is breaking, they say. They forgot the answer to the people. And they're, you know, they're coming right out. I mean, you know, there will be no great reset. There will be none of this. We are not taking your baloney. We are not, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, that kind of a thing. And, and, they're, and they're relentless. They're relentless. And oh, by the way, what was the name of that guy that was in, in charge of Verit- Project Veritas? And I forget his name. And then they got rid of him. And then they, well, they brought him back. So anyway, so that's all back in order. All right. Praise God. Next thing up. All right. Newsweek reports. Could toxic chemicals reach a 100-mile radius of, you know, from East Palestine? I find it interesting that they lean on the I and say, Ean. <laughs> okay. Fine. That's fine. My sister lives in East Berlin, but they don't call it Berlin. But that's just, you know, just me. I'm kind of wacky like that. We all know what they did. It was horrible. We know that, there, that the movie White Noise uh, is uh, – you know, the, the actual place that the movie White Noise was filmed was uh, East, uh, uh, you know, you know, New Palestine. OK, you know, this is very creepy. It's right up there with Utopia. OK, people are flipping out, but they don't understand how to deal with it. And they don't. And the worst thing is that they're real quick to say, oh, that's of the devil. The devil was priming us. What they miss is the hand of our father. 
a lot of these are highly prophetic and they are warnings that are coming down so that it wakes people up because Satan is not in control. Now, later, when God casts the dragon down with his fallen angelic beings in Revelation 12, okay, and he steps back and the great tribulation starts, now that which restrains will no longer be restraining. And that's different. You don't want to be here for that. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I want to hear, be here right now for any of this. All right, next one up. Uh, just in, 18-inch pipe bomb found on the railroad tracks uh, nearby Philadelphia. And they, you know, go on and talk about this, that, and the other thing. There's a lot of, uh, you know, suspicious, you know, hypotheses that are being shared in the, in the write-up. Um, MYID for tracking. Okay, so, so get this, uh, you know, just so you know. It says, and I'm going to read it to you, it says, if you want another conspiracy theory, try this one on for size. Three months ago in East Palestine, Ohio, the MyID digital identification program was launched to track things like breathing difficulties, they say. On February the 3rd of 2023, a freight train carrying vinyl chloride, a bunch of other evil stuff, um, you know, blew up, yada, yada, blah, blah. What's fascinating they had already started the trial with their little bracelets on the people a month in advance. No, actually three months in advance. But, you know, it's just got to be a coincidence. Next one up, emergency hazmat alert on I-10 by Colbin Reader Road. Individuals uh, within one mile should shelter in place. Those east of Houston Road, uh, west of Colb Road, and north of Valencia and south of Voyager Road should shelter in place. Turn off heaters. Turn off air conditioners. Uh, travelers should avoid Interstate 10 and seek an alternate route. And that was another chemical uh, hazmat vehicle that tipped over and was just shooting all kinds of evil, whatever, reddish-colored poisonous gases in, into the air. And then this guy comments, and he says, five trains derailed, one truck spill, now a massive five-acre industrial fire burn in, in Florida. True. Uh, he goes, seven ecological disasters in less than two weeks. The ramifications will impact America's food. America's water, America's health, for decades to come, we are under attack. And you know what? He's absolutely right. Oh, but if that isn't interesting enough for you, how about this one? So, since everybody's awake and aware to all the creepy weirdness and who's who in the zoo, everybody's out there doing FOIA requests and digging up all kinds of documentation, and guess what they found? Yep, Pfizer was granted in 2021 a patent. The patent was for a technological solution, we'll just say, that allows cellular tower communications to communicate with graphene when it's injected into human beings worldwide. Pfizer patent 1107588 little b number 2. Enjoy. 
Next one up. All right. So um, uh, maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you didn't hear about it, but they cut a cable. Who cut the cable? Who shot the sheriff? Who cut the cable? Lustanza Airlines down for a long time, stopping gazillions of flights. I'll just leave it at that. All right, next on line up. Russia deploys nuclear armed ships. Let me be perfectly clear. Nuclear armed ships are very different than nuclear propelled ships. That means they have nuclear missiles ready for launch, and they have deployed them into the Black Sea. Now, Buckle up, folks. I'm telling you. We're getting close to something big. How close? I don't know. None of us do. Next one up. The United States Department of Transportation says it is investigating Elon Musk's brain implant company Neuralink over potentially uh, illegal movement of hazardous, hazardous pathogens. So basically what they're trying to do is they're creating fake news and they're trying to take them away. They want to imprison him. They want to get rid of him because he has turned against the global establishment and he has basically thrown pies in their face, got a lot of people in trouble that were protected by the WEF, and he's... He's taking no prisoners. So, so of course, what do you do? You do the same thing that you do uh, that you did to, that they did to Fritz Springmeier. You go and you plant two pounds of marijuana on his house, and then you bomb. You know, you send in the DEA and you arrest him and throw him in jail for a whole long, long, long time. That is what they do. Next one up. And uh, this particular individual was reporting that there was a strange, very, very bright blue flash above the city of Seattle. No boom, no lightning that they could see. The whole sky lit up. And all the other people, one person says, oh, it might be CERN. Another person says, oh, it could be HARP. Another person says, oh, maybe it's an EMP. Another person says, I saw it. I saw it. I can tell you one thing. Whenever there is a magnitude or higher earthquake about to occur, it is not uncommon that two to three weeks prior that there are strange colored lights in the sky spotted prior to it occurring. Does that mean that the Cascadia subduction zone is about to go down? I don't know. But this would definitely be definitely be a something that I would be looking for if I lived out in that area as an early warning sign. Another headline reads: uh, Americans warned to leave Russia. The State Department issues a do not travel alert. Oh, it's interesting to note that BlackRock, one of the most evil uh, companies, Larry Fink. We're talking about these are there is so they're so high up on the satanic food chain, folks. They're definitely at Balmar Castle on Saturday night doing things that are things we don't want to talk about. Really sick, twisted stuff. These are some sick people. Anyway, um, Vanguard, J.P. Morgan Chase, another evil beyond evil, BlackRock. Guess what? They're the major stockholders for the Norfolk Southern train that just blew up in Palestine. <laughs> but, you know, it's just a coincidence. All right, and then, um, of course, they're vaccinating like crazy chickens and all this kind of stuff, you know, all for the good of the people, which is all going to be used to basically cause what Jesus warned us was going to happen, which was pestilence and famine. And you, you want to know something fascinating? Is that you can actually do better in a famine 
when you have your it, so so here for any of you who are, who are like chubby like me and you always wanted to lose a little bit of weight now's a really good time to like get into like uh 16 by 8 uh intermittent fasting and uh you know eating small amounts of food when you are eating you know like Atkins phase 1 because believe it or not during a famine that actually makes your life much easier to deal with because you've conditioned your body to live off of a remarkably small amount of food and be very happy with it, with great energy, clarity of mind, great attitude, and guess what? Hey, whenever you're doing fasting, what does the Bible tell you? You're going to draw in closer in the spirit to the Lord. So anyway, you know, folks, when you see the tidal wave coming, maybe you should grab a surfboard. Okay. Um, there's some other stuff here with a woman giving testimony about how horrible what's really happening to the people in uh, East Palestine or whatever. Um, it's bad. It's really, really bad. I'm gonna. I think I'll save that for the next the next show. There's another gigantic fire at a scientific research institute in um, uh, you know uh, Russia. So it looks like all these fires that they're setting are just they're all over the place. Here's one in Montreal chemical facility manufacturing plant here's another here's another one in chicago these are huge they're every bit as big as the palestine event all right um there's another one right here that i'm looking at in italy they're doing it worldwide one here in montreal quebec all over the place and it's like coordinated here's another one uh um let me see here oh yeah this is a massive one at a chemical facility in kissimmee florida which, by the way, is like right down the word world from uh, the road from uh, Disney World. So all the little children get to be poisoned, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. All right, and then of course another train derails with hazardous materials in Michigan. I'm sure they're all coincidences, though, right? Wrong. All right, and then of course there's a report that says Biden has negotiated a deal to give all the power that belongs to the United States and the United States Congress over to the World Health Organization whenever there is a health emergency. So then all of the people in the United States have to do what they tell us to do. I don't think so. Okay. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I got a few other ones, but I'm going to roll them forward because we want to get on Sister Terry Hill. Hallelujah. I'd much rather listen to her than me going over all these hairy, scary, end of the world, spooky, you know, your eyes going to pop out and blood's going to squirt out your ears type of headlines. It's my job. I got to do it. That's why we love it when Terry comes on the program. When that and much other reasons. All right. Praise God. Let's bring her on right now. Hallelujah. Sister Terry, are you there? I sure am, John. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Klaus Klaus Schwab was not clever enough to be able to disconnect our line before Jesus said, beat it, punk. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So anyway, um, so... We're live, you're sounding real good, and we are absolutely blessed to have you join us tonight. I got overwhelmed with a few 
things I had to do today, and I really did meant to send you a special text to say, hey, you got all the way till 10 uh, East Coast time, and that would be minus 3, so that takes you to 7 your time if you want to take that whole amount of time. It's all yours, and it will be on a live stream. People won't have to, like, call up at the last minute and, you know, like that kind of thing. It's, it's a full three, you know, it's a full hour and a half, uh, you know, essentially starting three minutes ago. Well, very good, John. Well, let's go for it. Are you ready? Get set. Go. All right. All <laughs> yeah, right, John. I am. Thank <laughs> let's, you. Let's do it. Praise God. Well, let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've given us. We thank you that this is an appointed time. We thank you that you have given us authority over every principality in the air. Any connection, is uh, any work of darkness is bound. I thank you that the mighty name of Jesus and his blood is speaking over this airwave right now and over everyone who is listening. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise, Father. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. So, yay, I get to be with my brothers and sisters tonight. And thank you, Jesus, for touching my body as I've been pulling myself up from a flu or a cold or a virus, just as many of you have had to deal with. But I tell you what, there's something I'm learning. Uh, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so I choose to glory in my weakness and infirmity and let him do the work, let him bring the message and build up his people. So beloved, before I get started, I want to give you my email address. If you would like prayer, uh, I welcome uh, your prayer request. And you can reach me by going to a word in due season, 777 at gmail.com. Uh, if you would like me to send uh, show notes your way, if you want to visit my website, you can do that at a word in due season.com. So here we are again tonight. Now, several months ago, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit impressing me to talk about the faithful church at the end of the age. Now, when I talk about the faithful church at the end of the age, um, I'm making a distinction between the professing church and those who are faithful, who have found that hiding place in the cleft of the rock. I am making that distinction between those who profess Christ but uh, simply have fallen out of love with him, are not walking by the Spirit, have wandered into apostasy, But having said that, I say none of us have arrived, and we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But my experience has been that God's people are being overwhelmed uh, with the the day in which we live. I feel that we need to encourage those who are walking, pressing toward the mark, who are lifting their heads up because they know the redemption is drawing nigh. And so for the faithful church, uh, tonight we bring this message Uh, the faithful church in a land under judgment. And a question that I had asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do the faithful do during a time of invasion, during a time when war is about to break out, during a time when drought and and, uh, famine will be coming, during a time guys are being invaded, our borders, are being invaded. Our privacy is being invaded. Clearly, uh, in the land of America here, there is an invasion that is going on that has been ongoing, but clearly increasing. So 
What do I say to your people, Father? What do we do when we are seeing uh, our bodies are being invaded? We see our, our personal identities are being invaded and uh, violated. Because truly, Jesus has plenty of things to say about it in his word. And those of us who love God's word, who believe both the Old and the New Testament, can see that there is a pattern. And so what I want to do is I, I want to just share some things with you tonight, how God uses a faithful church in a land that is under divine judgment because there are appointed times. God talks to us in his word about times of visitation. There are times of visitation when he visits the earth and the Lord comes down, and we see this in both Old and New Covenants. Uh, The days of God's visitation are appointed times, we're told, and In fact, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because she didn't know the time of her visitation when Jesus came the first time. Now, there are different kinds of visitations, but clearly uh, because of the somberness of the message and the tone that I was getting from the Lord, I said, Father, I know that even when there are very negative and difficult things that we have to address and talk about because it's the time in which we live, what I find is that Jesus always, always gives us hope, and he uses his people in actually very marvelous ways. We find even with the um, the visitation that came in the Passover, um, we find that this was actually four different things going on at one time, and I want to talk to you about that because in the Lord's Passover that was established, we read about in in the book of Exodus, and you can read that on your own later when God raised up Moses and Aaron, okay? Uh, There was a visitation of life that came for those that found refuge under the blood of Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb. We all remember that story when the blood was applied to the doorposts and the lentils of the houses of the Israelites. And in fact, there were some Egyptians as well that found refuge as well. And so God does have a mixed multitude that is coming out. There's, uh, there's going to be a, a visitation of death. And we know that, uh, that there will be a second death, a spiritual death that comes upon those who don't believe, who don't come under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that there will be a visitation of wrath upon Pharaoh, upon Antichrist, Satan and his kingdom and at that time certainly upon the gods of Egypt. And it's important for us to remember and to know that the prince of this world is already judged. We know that there is a visitation of deliverance that came for God's people under um, that Passover uh, season and certainly a visitation of deliverance that is coming for the faithful church, the people of God who have put their trust in the finished work of the cross and in the shed blood of the Lamb. We know that some of the Egyptians were delivered when they sought asylum in the homes of the Israelites at the midnight hour. And even as God's people were delivered from slavery and the bondage of Pharaoh's dominion, they spoiled the Egyptians before they left Egypt. And, beloved, I believe that what really matters when we talk about spoiling the Egyptians, it is the soul's that God counts as precious, and that is um, what he is looking for us to do. But I want to take a little walk with you in God's word tonight, and again, 
we have several pages of notes. If you would like to have those show notes, all you have to do is contact me, and John has them on his website as well. So I want to start by going to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, uh, and Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. So this is the context where he is speaking, and Jesus is addressing the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says to them in verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're building tombs of the prophets, and you're adorning the monuments of the righteous. And you say, if we'd been living in the days of our father, we would not have been partners with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. So Jesus said, consequently, what you're doing is you're bearing witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Now notice what he says in verse 32 of Matthew 23. He says, fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. Beloved, we need to understand that sin is piling up for those who have not found refuge under the blood of the Lamb. Sin is piling up, and the measure of guilt is being filled. Okay, so I want to read another scripture to you in Romans. And that's Romans 2, verse 5. And it says, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. God's judgment is righteous. Now notice he says here, against those who are stubborn and unrepentant, God says you're storing up wrath for yourself. And now finally... I want to give you a third scripture that tells us that sin is piling up and the measure of guilt is being filled. This is Revelation 18, 4 to 5. And John the Apostle writes, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins, that you may not receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So if we understand and know that our Father is not willing that any should perish, we know that our Father uh, will fulfill every single word. Jesus said every jot and tittle is going to be fulfilled, and In Ezekiel 5 and 14, um, again, you can go back and look at these later. I'm I'm not going to read all of these scriptures. I'm going to ask the Lord to give me grace that my voice would hold out here. Um, What we find is when God says that there is grievous sin in the land, then there are going to be patterns of different things that begin to happen in the land. And we read this in the Old Testament. We can look at Israel and what Israel went through and the different invasions that took place, the Babylonian captivity. And we see that God says that there are four things, and I'm going to talk about that just for a minute. He describes the pestilence, the famine, 
the sword, and the King James calls them noisome beasts, but those are evil beasts or wicked entities that are released through the land. And we've talked about invasion, and we've talked about that the fact that it's already started and it will continue. And when I was preparing this, probably starting about four weeks ago, the word that the Lord gave me was sabotage. Sabotage. He said, you're going to be seeing acts certainly of violence and um, some horrific things, but the one word he gave me was sabotage. And with invasion and different things that come, we see a progression. There will be invasion. We know that there will be war, tyranny, and with that comes tyrannical legislation. There will be captivity, people going into exile, famine, drought, disease, pestilence, and plagues. And we know that this is death. This is a pattern that we see in both the Old Testament. What we know and what we can see is that our Father delays these divine judgments as late as possible because he does know that some will turn from their sins, beloved. And I'm thinking in my own life, you know, if Jesus had come 10, 15, 20 years ago, or maybe even five years ago, would some of us or most of us even be ready? Would we have turned from worldliness and seeking the pleasures of sin? Were our hearts as fervent back then as they are now? And when I think about my own growth pattern, and perhaps you can look back and see where God has brought you, you will then have compassion for those whom the Father is yet to wake up because he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. He has said it, and he's going to do it. He knows that some will turn from their sins. And some of the things that we have walked through, and we've talked about this before, our own times of drought that we've gone through in our lives, our own times of loss, persecution, times of mourning that we have experienced, what we know about our Savior is that Jesus allows us to be broken, doesn't he? He wants us to release a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. Remember the woman that broke the alabaster box. And the scripture says that the fragrance of that aroma filled the room. You know, to those who are perishing, the scripture says we're the aroma of death. To one, we are a fragrance of life. And to another, we are the smell of death. So these times of brokenness, loss, mourning, depravity, persecution, the Lord Jesus does and will continue to use it to bring glory and honor to his name. And as sin begins to fill fill the land, the Lord does come down. He ultimately controls everything, beloved. And every detail in my life and in your life, producing a greater longing for the Messiah as we walk through times of loss and times of mourning. And we are watching kings and nations um, rising up. We're seeing great wickedness 
We're seeing great darkness, but we must remember that the Lord uses world rulers as his tools to execute his will. And when God sees, back in Genesis 11:6, do you remember when he saw the sons of men building a city and a tower called Babel? God intervenes in human history when he sees that now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Beloved, the time will come that the restrainer who is in fact the Holy Spirit will cease to restrain. And we read about that in 2 Thessalonians 2.7. And there will be a shattering of the power of the holy people. Let me just comment on that for a minute. The age of grace is coming to a conclusion. We know that as long as there is day and as long as we are here, we will share the gospel, the love of Christ, and the compassion with people as God gives us grace to do so. But the age of grace will come to a conclusion. The Holy Spirit will always dwell within individuals. But the difference will be he will cease to convict the world of sin as he's doing now. Because when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, he said that's what he will do. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And the overcoming full church will, to a great extent, go underground and will be much like what our brothers and sisters in China and other places across the world are having to do. They'll have to hide and seek refuge under the shadow of the Almighty. But until then, we know there's a sighing and a groaning over the abominations that are around us, beloved, but we must remember that we are marked and we are sealed until the day of our redemption. And the sealing occurs before the destruction begins, and we escape the destruction of the evil one by being sealed. We escape destruction and the wrath of God by being sealed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And this is what he is doing as individuals are bowing the knee to the Lordship of Christ and are coming out of curiosity to the meetings at some of the universities that we're hearing about. There is a curiosity, and we all started there. I can recall when the Lord began to woo me and, and draw me close to him under uh, the ministry of Pastor Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, uh, at the end of the Jesus movement there. And again, it was a curiosity, and pretty soon the conviction of the Holy Spirit came, and the word of God came, and that is always the mark of a true revival. The emphasis, beloved, is always upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The message will always be repent and believe, and it will be a cry for mercy from God, beloved. It will be always the message of the cross, always the power of its resurrection and the new birth and regeneration, And when we talk about love, because I know many, you know, it's a mantra, even through the New Age movement, 
is all we need is love, and they define love their way in their terms. But let me tell you, the God kind of love was manifested in that Jesus took my place and your place and died for sinful man. Glory to God. That is the love of God. So there must be a conviction of sin. If there's a true revival, there will be weeping. There will be a cry to God for mercy. There will be true repentance, and that will result in salvation. So when we look at little revivals springing up here and there, in a couple of months, and as we stand back and look and watch and pray, the true fruit of a true revival is what I have described. It is the message of the cross. It is a cry for mercy. It is true faith, and it has changed lives. And as God marks and seals our brothers and sisters now who are coming to Christ, glory to God, he is sealing his beloved friends. Did you know that? He has sealed you. There's something that he has shut up on the inside of you that is precious. On the inside of you, the scripture says that you are a vessel full of treasure. There are things inside of you that when hurting people come around you and as the Father brings them to you, he will draw those things out. You have living water on the inside of you. You have living manna on the inside of you, right? Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And you know, that treasure, in fact, is the Lord himself that dwelt in us by the Spirit. And as the days and the months progress, as things go from bad to worse, and there are times of respite, there are times of resting between the birth pangs, God will strengthen his people. But know that everything that you and I go through, beloved, is for these dear brothers and sisters who will be coming to Christ because people need hope. They need to know that God will not abandon them if they fall and miss the mark. They need to know that this is real, that God will not abandon them when they sin to previous sin. Because you see, when it comes to being sealed, we need to understand, uh, Jeremiah said it well in Jeremiah 32. Uh, 14, he said, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, this sealed deed of purchase, and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar that they may last a long time. So in ancient days, biblical days, real estate deeds had two copies, a sealed one and an open one. And so to preserve them, they were usually put into earthenware vessels similar to what they did with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So if we understand that we are his purchased possession, there's literally a deed of purchase. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Word of God tells us. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. And he will keep you. He will use you. He will strengthen you because the Word of God tells us that the spirit of the Lord has sealed you. God literally has stamped, put his deed of purchase, his very own Holy Spirit, his word, his contents of his character, his nature on the inside of everyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And in the days to come, that will be 
the most precious thing that people will be looking for. Beloved, the cross is God's mark. You have been marked, and the Holy Spirit is his seal. He tells us God has sealed us and given us the earnest pledge of the Spirit in our hearts. So it also says, after you trusted him and heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, after that, when you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So that promise is there. Jesus said, I will not leave you. All right? I have purchased you. You're my own private possession, and I'm going to care for you as these judgments unfold. So I want to talk a little bit more about the judgments of God because God has a lot to say about it, and I feel it's important that I go over something. For those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, it's important we understand there's a difference between judgment and wrath, all right? If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have already been judged as a sinner. This judgment is past. Our debt as sinners, sin's penalty was paid for by Jesus at the cross. And when you and I, and when our younger brothers and sisters now who are coming to Christ through different revival places, meetings, when we share with our neighbor, when we talk to different ones, when they exercise true faith, through repentance, and they're obedient, they're given grace. No more condemnation. And we are no longer under the law of sin and death. Beloved, eternal life is a gift. It is a gift that is freely given. We are also judged as sons. Now, this judgment is continually present, and what it means is through the new birth, uh, we're born into God's family, we become heirs, and inheritance is a son's birthright, okay? So it's not earned, but it's given on the basis of relationship with his heavenly father. And we know God disciplines and trains and chastens every son, doesn't he? Now, we're also judged as servants. This judgment is both present and in the future. So varying degrees of obedience and sacrifice among God's people who are sons, right, will determine rewards and future roles in God's kingdom. A reward is given for service rendered, for work done, okay? But a gift, eternal life, is a gift. Can you see there's a difference here? So a true servant of God ministers because he is a son, not to earn salvation, which is a gift. And right now as I'm sitting with you, I know that there are some that are really struggling. I know because I heard him say, hold fast, let no one take your crown. Jesus said in Revelation 3.11, he said, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no man take your crown. What we're learning now, as we see and observe injustice, inequality, wickedness, absolute um, violence and uh, heresy and rebellion and wickedness, we see these things and it vexes and it grieves our heart. But what we're learning now is not to collapse under the weight 
of what we're seeing around us, beloved, because there's days, but I'm telling you, I just want to come in, stay in my room and not even step outside the door. It's astonishing the increase and the uh, acceleration of events that are happening. But what God is teaching all of us now is to be strengthened, to be learned, to be ruled by Christ now so that when he appears, we can rule with Christ in the millennial age and beyond. So Jesus is preparing us. He's providing for us. He is bringing people into our lives, and other relationships are being cut off. I am absolutely convinced that he is cutting off toxic relationships, that he is cutting off situations in our life, perhaps with uh, family members, job situations, uh, church or ministry situations because we're stepping into another season and we have to release that which is behind now. Like Paul the Apostle said, he said, forgetting that which is behind, I reach for the prize, I press for the mark of the high calling in Christ. And so when we have transitional times in our lives, a change of uh, job or career, a uh, perhaps a, a move uh, related to business, or a, even a death in a family can serve as an impetus to turn us in another direction. I'm, I'm thinking about how God has used his people in times past in marvelous ways because of famine. They literally were driven to get up and go somewhere or because well, for example, in the case with um, Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, we know the story of Ruth. We know that um, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, had two sons, and those two sons died, and her husband. What we can see is that God uses situations to move family members, people into different places, and The Lord wants us to know that we do have a choice. Friends, things are going to happen and have happened, and perhaps for some of you are happening now, that are painful when we have to say goodbye to people we love, either through death, a change in a job, or perhaps a divorce, or a move, any number of things. Change is hard, and loss is hard. Suffering is hard. Um, mourning is hard, and it will either do one or two things to us. It will soften our hearts toward the Lord and other people's hearts. God can use those situations to draw people closer to him, or it can cause them to become bitter toward God. Now, in the, in the story of Ruth, I feel like I just need to comment on this. Because Naomi's husband and two sons had died, They were forced, she and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, were forced to pick up and move because of the uh, famine and because of loss. And Ruth, at one point in her life, actually her name means pleasant, but in Ruth 120, she said, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. This was a bitter woman. But we, we see how God even turns this situation in this family around. When Ruth said, where you go, I will go, and your God will be my God. Now, Ruth was a Moabitess. She was a pagan who was married to one of Naomi's sons. But in their journey, they ended up 
uh, and landed on the field of Boaz where Ruth began to glean with the reapers. And a long story short, you can read the book of Ruth later if you haven't done that. We find that she meets Boaz. She is given work there. She comes into contact with him who, in fact, becomes her kinsman redeemer, also becomes her husband, and Ruth and Boaz were married, and as a result, uh, they had a child named Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. So we see that even during what was a real mourning and loss, and some people I know have a difficult time, and I've met some widows who have really had a hard time and haven't recovered. Others seem to move right along. Others that have suffered loss and homes or possessions or loved ones or houses or whatever, they are are stuck. And maybe some of you are feeling stuck tonight. I, I don't know what you've suffered. I don't know what your mourning looks like. But I can tell you that God surely has said, and he is not a liar, he said, all things work together for good to them that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. I'm here to tell you that God can and does connect you and I with people to help be the impetus or the encouragement or to help be a prayer partner for them or help them take the next step in their journey with the Lord. Divine provision comes during a time of famine and loss, beloved. There was actually a um, a Levite uh, who was a priest, and this is in Judges 17, 7 to 12. You can read it later, but I love this. I stumbled across this a couple of years ago, and it blessed me. There was a Levite who was a priest, and he was searching for a place to live. Now, this was a man of God. He was a younger Levite, but he was homeless. Uh, I don't know, perhaps maybe there's somebody who is going to lose their home or there's a possibility that you are going to lose your home or or your job or your finances and you are in a quandary. You're thinking, God, what am I going to do? Let me tell you what happened with this young Levite. You can read this in Judges 17, verse 7 to 12. He was searching for a place to live. He was actually out traveling and wandering. And as he was traveling, He stopped at someone's house by the name of Micah. He actually stopped at his house, and it turned out that Micah said, why don't you come and live with me? And Micah actually poured him, bring him into his house, providing a change of clothing and food for him. And Micah was delighted to have this godly man, this young man, living with him, And the scripture tells us that the Lord blessed Micah because the priest of the Lord lived in his house. So we need to know that what looks like a very uncertain question about where we may live, what we will do, uh, we know that God sets people out on journeys. We know that when God called Abraham, uh, he he said, Abraham, come out. He called him out of Urd of the Chaldeans. He said, leave your father, leave everything behind. Now, this was um, a difficult choice for a man, but Abraham, who's called Abraham at that time, the scripture said he journeyed. He moved his tent. He left. God told him to leave. And even in a time of famine, he was driven to Egypt. And 
we look back over the lives of godly people. We look back over the lives of uh, people like Jonathan and David. Uh, Jonathan, as we know, made a covenant with David and with his house. Now, what you may not know, which is a very beautiful story in scripture, is that Jonathan had a crippled son whose name was Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth uh, was left alone because Jonathan died in battle and Saul was dead and Jonathan's crippled son was found in a desolate place. He was in exile. His dad was dead. His grandfather was dead. He was a helpless cripple. And the scripture tells us in Second Samuel that he was found in a desolate place. But because of the covenant, that David made with Jonathan, he said, how can I show kindness to Jonathan in Saul's house? So what he did is he took Mephibosheth to himself. He sat at his table. He treated him like his own son because what had happened was he became an heir of the covenant blessing that his father had entered into with the king. And, beloved, that's you and I. We have become heirs of the covenant blessing that our Father has made with King Jesus. And the scripture tells us that Mephibosheth, absolutely helpless to take care of himself, but because of the covenant, because of covenant made between these two men, again, a type and a shadow of what our Father has done for us, it says in Scripture that Mephibosheth Mephibosheth, sat at King David's table and ate bread with David and his sons. Another story of a young man being brought to sit and dine with the king, beloved. This is what he does. Hallelujah. He said, go fetch Mephibosheth. And to all of you who feel like you're in exile, you're helpless, Perhaps you have a physical condition and you feel like I've been forgotten. I'm telling you, God has not forgotten you. He is calling you to himself and he will fetch you and bring you to that place of communion and intimacy with him at his table. Hallelujah. We know that priests of the Lord feed the Lord's chosen during times of hunger and persecution. We know that the woman in the wilderness uh, that we read about in Revelation 12:6 will be nourished by God's servants. God uses different methods and individuals to feed his servants. Remember, Elijah was sustained and fed by a widow woman. He was sustained by ravens and by an angel. And as Elijah fed the Gentile woman and her son during the famine, so will God's ministry feed the predominantly Gentile believers during a time of spiritual famine in the age in which we live, when there will be a famine, not only food, but of hearing the true word of the Lord. We know, beloved, everything that God has deposited in you and in me is for someone else. We are here to lay down our lives for our brethren, right? Because we love the brethren. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life. 
Beloved, it is a delight for me just to sit to try to encourage you. It is a delight for me just to take little snippets and pieces of the word of God and to present them to you and say, look at what God has done for his people in the past. Hallelujah. We know that Elisha was obedient to the Lord. In fact, he multiplied the oil. He blessed a widow's household. And as, and as a result, food was given to him. A furnished room was provided for him by the widow whenever he passed through the area. It is a season and a day of divine connections. When God closes one door, he opens another door. When he cuts one relationship off or um, perhaps something that we have been um, committed to, when those commitments at times are cut off, it's a time of then waiting, and God opens a door and says, see now, take the first step. Now, he may not tell us a whole paragraph, but he will give us a word, and he will, um, he will speak that word, and he will confirm his word in the mouths of two or three witnesses. Somebody's getting a witness right now as I'm talking, as I'm talking to you. Right now, you see, disciples can't grow spiritually. They are feeding on a worldly diet consisting of entertainment, sensationalism, or social reform, uh, if it's based on cultural, tribal, political, racial issues, disciples can't grow spiritually. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to send people like you. He is going to bring people into your life. And what God has deposited on the inside of you, you'll find that he opens your mouth, and out of that mouth, comes living manna. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was actually a pot of manna also that was set into the Ark of the Covenant along with Aaron's bod, uh, bud that, um, the rod that budded in addition to the tables of the law. So there was actually uh, some manna laid up before the Lord. And this is what God's people are like. We are like vessels that are laid up before the Lord. We're in the presence of the Lord. And that manna preserves us, beloved. And again, that manna is gathered every day. And what you have gathered in your life and what God has deposited on the inside of you is what he will use to help preserve the lives of the people around you. And you will be astonished. And I am at times astonished at how God does that. Uh, even Lot prepared unleavened bread for the heavenly visitors that came. I mean, we know that Lot was living in Sodom. And we know that judgment was about to fall on that land there. And we know that there is an unleavened bread. Again, leaven meaning not having any corrupting influence of sin in it. It was used for the Passover. It was eaten by the priests. It was consumed by the Nazarites. Unleavened bread was eaten at the Lord's table. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And you and I are a part of that same loaf of bread. And Jesus is that source of living water, beloveds. He is that spiritual rock who traveled with the Israelites. And he is our rock as we travel through this journey that we call the end of the age when we are seeing things that are happening. But there are faithful men like Eliezer who arose, one of David's mighty men, and <clears throat> struck the Philistines and clung to the sword, and he would not let go of that sword. And that's what we do. We hold on to that sword. Now, you and I face opposition continually and daily. 
the opposition of the enemy was very real to Nehemiah. And these men had to defend themselves against their enemies as they work. So Nehemiah stationed them. He organized them. And we know the devices of the enemy that came against him are the same devices that are coming against us now. It's the ridicule or the mocking or the attacks, physical attacks, mental, emotional, financial attacks. And the enemies are conspiring together. We know that this is concluding at the end of the age. We see this new world order coming together. We see the pieces of the puzzle coming together. But the scripture says that Nehemiah rose up, and what he did is he armed the people with one hand. The people that were working on the wall, they had a tool in one hand, and in the other hand, they held their weapon. And, beloved, that's what we do. I don't know what the tool is that God has given to you, what your gift is, what your talent is, and your ability, but I want you to know something. It is precious and it is mighty because you belong to him, and he gave you that gift. He gave you that ability and that tool to work and to do your part in the kingdom of God. And again, holding that weapon, holding that sword, which is the word of God, just like Eliezer did, who is one of David's mighty men. You too are a mighty man or woman of God because you're drafted into the kingdom because you have treasure in your earthen vessel and because God has called you for a time such as this. Remember with uh, Esther, the Lord brought her into the kingdom for a time such as this. Uh, Esther and Mordecai, in fact, became uh, partners, and they were brought together at the right time. Uh, They worked together to deliver the Jews. Now, uh, actually was an orphan, so she had suffered loss. So she was raised by her cousin, Mordecai. And the book of Esther is wonderful. It's outstanding. And we find that God used her, raised her up. She became the bride of the king and heard things, saw things that others didn't see, and she was consulted by her elder cousin, Mordecai, who consulted her. And the king's chamberlains were there to help prepare her to be the bride that she needed to be before she came before the king. And the Lord Jesus is doing that in us right now. The Holy Spirit himself is preparing a bride that will be fit to stand before the king, a bride without blemish and wrinkle you see that happened in a time of captivity because there were letters that were sent out and the people had to fight for their lives but I want to just share something with you in the midst of your tribulation and your hardship and your pain and your persecution God delivers messages of comfort and the things that you have gone through beloved this becomes Uh, that which comes out of our mouths and we're able to comfort others because you know why? Because you and I are living decrees. We are letters, okay? Epistles known and read by men. They're a letter from Christ written by the Spirit of God on tablets of human hearts. You, in fact, are the Bibles that some people are reading, his love letter, delivered personally to the person that you are talking to as you're standing in line at Walmart or as you're going about your day or as you are on the phone. The Lord is using you to encourage others. The Lord has called you. 
in fact, there was um, in the in um, at the time that Paul um, setting up the churches and ministering to the churches, there was actually a man who was a slave, and his name was Onesimus. Now, Onesimus was a slave. All right, so he was a man in captivity, but God raised him up and used him. Now, when we think about talents and we think about abilities, it's important that we understand that every single one of us has a call and an assignment, and nobody else's call is more important than than your call. Your call is valuable. Your gifts are valuable. And Onesimus was a slave in Rome, and he was actually converted to the faith by Paul. And do you know what he did? This faithful slave, this man of God, he was faithful to deliver Paul's letters to the church in Colossia and to Philemon. He delivered letters. He was faithful to do his part. Praise the Lord. There was uh, also when um, Paul was imprisoned and he worked with uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus, okay, these were devout men who would come and visit Paul and Epaphroditus, for example, was called a fellow soldier. So he would deliver letters and as Paul was imprisoned, his imprisonment actually brought courage and strength to the other believers. Not only that, but he wrote letters to the churches. There was no pity party in the life of Paul. This man was remarkable. If you can imagine being chained to a Roman soldier, which they did in those days, so he would have been chained to a, um, a chain to a soldier, and certainly they would have, I don't know, breaks every eight or six hours. I have no idea. But no doubt these soldiers were hearing the word of the Lord. These soldiers were seeing this godly man. People were coming and going. Uh, and they were being strengthened. And Paul even recounts uh, in the book of Philippians that other people waxed strong and became valiant and courageous in their faith. And so when we even hear about those that are taken into prison, we need to understand that this is a reality and this is going to be an increasing reality as persecution is going to be growing. Paul and Silas were in prison. There was a time that they began to sing praises at midnight. Do you remember that? And the scripture records that there was an earthquake and their shackles were uh, released from them. Not only theirs, their praise and worship being heard by the people around them literally uh, caused the shackles of the other prisoners to become loose. So, beloved, as we continue to praise God, share our testimony, and testify of God's faithfulness and goodness, even in a time of mourning and in loss or of hardship or of suffering and war uh, coming to our shores and different kinds of invasions, what we don't realize is we testify and praise God. It causes shackles to fall off of the people who are hearing our testimony. And as Paul and Silas were in prison, and then they were beginning to escape, the jailer literally was about to kill himself because he knew that if his captors escaped, that he would be killed by the authorities. But what had happened, because of the testimony of Paul and Silas, they were able to say, no, don't harm yourself. They began to share the love of God with this jailer. And this jailer's uh, whole family, the whole household, came to salvation 
uh, that wonderful verse in Acts 16.31 when they said, What shall we do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and ye shall be saved and your household. So we see the faithfulness of praising God even at the midnight hour. And, beloved, I tell you what, that midnight hour is coming. And the cry is being made, prepare uh, for the Lord. He is coming. When Daniel and his friends were in captivity, we read about in the book of Daniel, they refused to bow to the image and they refused to participate in pagan false worship. They were miraculously delivered and the Lord was glorified. The fear of the Lord came in that place. Now, there are going to be times that God's people will not be delivered. The Lord will simply take them home. But for Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God allowed them to be miraculously delivered, and the Lord was glorified, and there was a testimony in that place. Uh, We know, too, with Jonah, uh, who certainly was a captive messenger, right, in the belly of a fish. We call him the pouting prophet because he knew how merciful God was, and he was angry at Nineveh and at Assyria. But, you know, God is faithful to every single one of us when perhaps he's been prodding us and saying, you know, you need to share with this person or pray about it. You know that the Lord has been tapping you, and it's like his, excuse me, his finger taps on your shoulder. You need to open your mouth and share. Well, God is patient with all of us, he was patient with Jonah because Jonah had a, got, had a job to do. And when Jonah was thrown overboard, we know the story, he was miraculously preserved so he could deliver God's warning to Nineveh. And again, uh, to his great surprise and to his dismay, the entire city repented. Now, what we know in the day that we live in, we know that judgment and wrath are certain. Now, these things may be delayed for a season, but we know we're at the end of the age, beloved. Um, There's only a window of time left. The acceleration and the events now are coming at a very fast rate. And we're finding right now, uh, I believe, the reality of what Jesus said, unless the uh, days were shortened, even the elect wouldn't be saved. There are days I wake up, I cannot believe the day passes so quickly. It's already into Uh, almost toward the end of the month of February, and I don't know what happened to January. I don't know about any of you all, but I'm noticing that God is speeding things up, and Jonah was being uh, preserved so he could deliver God's warning. So we want to be faithful to deliver a warning when God says, you need to go talk to them about Christ. Uh, Ask them, uh, take some cookies to your neighbor. Give them a phone call. Ask, can we meet for coffee at Starbucks? Whatever it takes. Beloved, just begin to be their friend. Be a good listener. Your deposit of the treasure that God has put on the inside of you and the living manna and the living water that has sustained you, God is going to literally pull it out of you, and it's going to satisfy the people that you talk to, and you're going to be astonished, and you're going to be amazed because I tell you what, God is going to spoil Egypt before his people come home we're going to take some souls with us and we're not we're going to be bold in the face of danger we're going to open our mouths even if we look foolish because god uses the foolish and ignorant things to confound the wise let me tell you our god is a great god and we can glory in our infirmities 
you know, I'm thinking about Gideon. Uh, there was a, a famine, um, and his and when Gideon was um, a judge during that time, uh, he was actually threshing the wheat by the the wine press. He was trying to uh, hide his wheat uh, from the Amalekites and the Midianites who had invaded the land. And God called him. The angel of the Lord literally came to him and said, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And he was looking around saying, who are you talking to? Certainly you're not talking to me. I am the least in my family. And why is all of this happening? So he saw himself. He was small in his own eyes, which is actually a really good place to be, right? Not like Saul, who at one time was small in his own eyes, and he became great in his own eyes and prideful. Well, this servant of God said, I am nothing. Are you sure you don't have the right guy? So the angel of the Lord confirmed to him. He said, God is going to use you. He's raised you up. And so out of an army of 32,000, Gideon ends up with 300 men, and they successfully defeated their enemies who outnumbered them. They were desperate. The enemies were stealing their food, and they were in hiding. But God raised up this man, Gideon, who was small in his own eyes. I tell you what, God knows how to keep us humble, beloved. He knows how to keep us humble. He knows how to keep us lowly before him. And I'll tell you what, that's a good place to be. He dwells with the meek and the lowly. Jesus is found among the humble. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So that's a good place to be. Um, You know, I was thinking about Ananias. I think... Of all the individuals that I read about in the in the time of the early church and we read about in the book of Acts, there is an Ananias. Now, there are a couple of Ananias mentioned, but this is the one in Acts 9. Paul, or Saul, the, um, Saul of Tarsus had orders uh, to go and make arrests uh, of the saints, and that day they were called the way. The church, the early church was called the way. He literally had orders in his hands. He was on his horse. Jesus met him. He fell off of his horse. He was blinded for three days. All right, so this is Saul of Tarsus before he, came, before he became Paul. So there's this godly man by the name of Ananias who is praying. Now, I love this because I see the faith of this man. Now, this was a time of intense persecution, all right? And persecution is growing more and more. Some areas of the world, certainly people are suffering greatly for their faith but it's going to come to our land more and more. And Ananias had a vision of Saul of Tarsus, and the Jesus spoke to him. He said, go. He's a chosen vessel. He is having a vision. He's praying. He knows you're going to come and see him. And the bravery and the courage of Ananias, he said, Lord, this man is killing, and he's arresting, and on and on and on. But he had such a relationship with the Lord that he heard the Lord's voice. He knew what he saw. He obeyed the Lord. He found Saul of Tarsus on the street that is called Straight, laid his hands on him. Paul was healed of his blindness, and he baptized him. Now, that to me is an astounding testimony. You know, walking with Jesus day by day, beloved, is the power of God that we all want. We're so thrilled when God heals people when we pray for them. We are so grateful to the Lord when God answers prayer very quickly, and he does sometimes. But the day in and day out of just living life, 
sometimes in monotony, sometimes under duress, sometimes in poor health, other times in great times of loneliness. And my single brothers and sisters, you understand that. I, I, I cannot relate to you in that way. But I do know that some of the, my closest friends are single. And I tell you, the, the walk they have with the Lord is such an inspiration to me. And I want you to know women. I want to talk to single women for just a minute because I, I, I get emails from them all the time and I meet them when I minister. The loneliness and the, the struggle that they have and many of them desiring to have a husband. But I have to say this to you, sisters. The enemy would want to set a trap and cause you to settle for something that is not God's best. And so I want to encourage you, my sisters in Christ, to wait on the Lord. And if the Father has a spouse that is right for you, you will not be unequally yoked. This person will be a believer and will honor Jesus and will love you. And this person, if they want to marry you or enter into a covenant relationship with you, I would say to you, it is not your job to fix anybody it is your job to seek the lord and if the lord has a spouse or a covenant partner or or for you that you would not settle uh just because of that pain of loneliness or the emotional lack that you feel or the vacuum in your life because i believe it is a trap the enemy would want to set because he wants to get every one of us to leave that straight and narrow path that leads to life. And I believe Jesus is in the season now of removing hindrances and people and associations and situations that could cause us to slow down or to weigh us down with heavy baggage or heavy loads or burdens that he never intended for us to carry. So I want to encourage you, my single brothers and sisters in Christ, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And God knows what's best for each of us. So I just want to encourage you with that tonight. You know, the Lord opens our mouths, as I said, to reveal the contents of what's on the inside of us. You and I have been sealed. We have been stamped with the Lord's own signet ring. Did you know that? Things of value are sealed. He's given us pledge of his spirit, the power of his spirit. And I believe he has been um, securing within each of us. He's really solidifying his people as we walk through the seasons, as we see now things escalating in the world, as we hear now more about the World Economic Forum, as we're hearing of legislation that our, our president is passing and executive orders that are absolutely tyrannical and ungodly, we're realizing that Jesus is coming. We're realizing that there are going to be pockets of revival and opportunities for you and I to share and to speak because when there's a time of visitation, when God comes down, when when the angels visited Lot, they said, we're going to destroy this place. Now, this was a regional um, destruction, all right? This was not worldwide. This was a regional area. And God got, these angels took Lot and his wife and two daughters. Now we know that his wife fell back. She looked back. She was still longing in her heart for Sodom. But as he continued to go forward, 
God brought him to a, a place of safety. And I want to say, too, I believe the Lord is doing that. He certainly is moving people around. And in times of visitation, when the Lord visits his people, uh, there are visitations of death. There are visitations of life. There are visitations of deliverance, certainly visitations of judgment, which I believe are on the nation in which I live and certainly in many nations because we understand that Babylon is coming down. And we've talked about Babylon in the past, but there's one thing that I know. In the book of Genesis, when God came down, he said in Genesis 11:6, now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So there are times that God is going to come down and visit the earth. And there are going to be some very frightening things that are coming. Again, the word the Lord gave me was sabotage. Uh, again, every day, fathers and mothers pray over those children, asking the Lord to do, order your own steps, where to go, where not to go. Every single day, beloved, don't let your fellowship with the Lord be unbroken. Continue to walk with him and ask him daily, where would you have me to go? What would you have me to do, Lord God? Now, again, even as we are captives of the Lord, right, we are bound to Christ. We are, uh, if you will, we are dead men walking in the sense that we have died unto Christ, and now through him we live. So our old life is hidden in Christ, and his life is now taken up in ours. And When we see even people like Paul and others who were in chains, the gospel was advancing. Some of you may find yourself in a hospital or in a convalescent uh, center post-surgery, or perhaps some of you are recuperating. But even in those places where God puts you, the gospel is advancing, beloved. And the Lord Jesus has not left you. He is with you. When John was in exile on the island of Patmos, when he wrote the book of Revelation, he was was an elderly man. He was way up in years. Jesus visited him and said, John, now I want you to record everything that you see and hear and deliver these messages to my churches. You see, where you are, wherever that is, in the workplace, in the home, uh, recuperating, recovering, caring for elderly parents, caring for grandchildren. And certainly all of us have a testimony and a story, but please understand, beloved, we are all sharing one thing in common, that we're all looking for an eternal city, aren't we? We're looking for a a heavenly country that has foundations. And when we look at the book of Hebrews and um, the Hall of Faith, and like, for example, in Hebrews 11, Those who walked by faith, the Bible says they knew that they're just pilgrims and strangers. Beloved, my husband and I are knowing of people that are being taken home. And some of them are our age and some of them are younger. So when we finish our course, we're going to go home and be with Jesus. But until that time, we have an incredible privilege and an incredible responsibility. And the Lord is reminding us, don't let anyone take your crown. In 1 Corinthians 4.11, there are some of us that have moved several times, and I can relate to that. We've moved several times in our marriage, and perhaps some of you are getting ready to move. 1 Corinthians 4.11 reminds us, 
Here in the earthly realm, we have no certain dwelling place. Beloved, we're just passing through. We each have an assignment. We each have gifts that have been entrusted to us. And the Lord Jesus and those who are in heaven, I believe that uh, cloud of witnesses are aware of some things that are going on here in the earthly realm. I believe that they are watching and aware of probably a lot more than we even would know. But all I can say is that there are crowns that are being laid up for faithful people who love the Lord Jesus. And 2 Peter 1:10 and 11 tells us that some will have an abundant entrance into the kingdom. You know, I'm grateful for the thief on the cross who was next to Jesus the excuse me the day he excuse me the day he was crucified the thief on the cross he, Jesus was crucified between two of them and the one thief said to the other this man has none done nothing you and I we are worthy to die but this man has done nothing and the one repentant thief said Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And our amazing Savior, the Passover lamb, who was suffering excruciating pain for you and for me, that's love, beloved. The righteousness of God was given to us because of what our Savior suffered. He said to that man, that repentant thief, I tell you, this day you will be with me in paradise. Now, he was given eternal life, wasn't he? He didn't have a lifetime of walking with Christ. But I'll tell you what, there are rewards laid up for those who walk with him through the seasons, through the hardship, through the trials, through the testing, and roles and assignments and divine privileges and celestial glory will be given to the faithful. Hallelujah. Remember. It's good for us to remember there is a gift to be received, Romans 5, 15, 18, and there is also a prize to be won, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. There is an inheritance of sonship by birth. The prodigal did not lose his sonship, but he certainly suffered and lost his inheritance, didn't he? Okay, so there were some things he lost, but he didn't lose the fact that he was a son, there is a gift, and there are also rewards. And so for brothers and sisters in Christ, all I can say is hold your head high. God has given you a period of time in our contact, our conduct, our attitude, our behavior, our faithfulness, and our devotion to the Lord will bring a return, an eternal reward. And we will give account for the words that we have spoken. We will give account for neglected opportunities or wasted talent or careless living or procrastination or broken promises. The motives for our works, beloved, if we do these things to be seen by men, there is no eternal reward. But if we do our works in secret before God, we will be rewarded by God himself. Remember. Our works that survive the fire are the deeds for which believers are rewarded. Every man's work will be made manifest because the day will declare it. 
at the Bema Seat of Christ, that is not determined salvation. It was already determined by the sacrifice of Christ. But, beloved, there are crowns that are laid up for every one of us. And what I want to share with you is this, and I want to conclude with this. My voice is starting to give out, so thank you for bearing with me. Eye is not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of the things that God has in store for them that love him. Beloved, the end of the age is winding down, and God's judgments are sure. They may be delayed, but they are surely coming. And to that I say, press toward the mark, beloved. And to all of you, it's a pleasure and a privilege, and I pray you were encouraged with this tonight. God bless you. And thank you, John. Praise God. Thank you so much, Terry, for a powerful message, very edifying, um, one that all of us can embrace and take away uh, a gift from. You know, um, you know, no matter where we are in our walk, we all need to be able to understand what's been laid out before us at the house of the wise and the watch and all that. And um, it's just a blessing the way that you break it down and give us that amount of detail so that we understand, uh, you know, how precious every day is that we have ahead of us uh, that we can um, – you know, continue out of love uh, to serve God and, you know, hope that, uh, you know, that, that everything, well, we know that everything's going to be just fine, uh, but but also be hopeful that, um, you know, we do have inheritance, that we do have rewards, we do have crowns, and, and to have you lay it out so beautifully for us all. So thank you so much for joining us tonight, Sister Terry. Again, a word in due season, just like it sounds, D-U-E, season.com. And then um, uh, you can also, um, if you go to our website, you'll be able to find our email there. But it's also, um, Terry, uh, is it, uh, t- tell, me, t- tell me again what your, uh, how you do your email again. I know it's 777 at, uh, you know, I, I think it's a word in due season, 777 at gmail.com. Is that correct? That's right, John, yes. Okay, great. All right. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, tomorrow I got one day off, and then I kick off my new job. So I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll take whatever prayers you're willing to lift up on my behalf that everything goes well. Um, the sooner I settle in and get my arms around the challenges of that new position, uh, the more I'll be able to do with the radio show because um, I won't be under the extreme stress and, and you know, stuff that I was under with a, with a prior job. So praise God for that. I'd like to be able to do some Saturday programs and some special programs that my hands were tied with with a prior job, and, and, you know, God's will be done. So anyway, thank you all for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Lord willing. Thank you, Terry. God bless you all. Thank you.
I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. <laughs> 